Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Tiff Stevenson, who is a friend of the podcast and we met up in her house in Muswell Hill and I had decaf black tea, which I know is a bit of an abomination, a bit of a departure for me, and she had a cappuccino and we talked about uh, consent, uh, the current discourse, trying to unpack it a little bit beyond the current um, very intense but relatively shallow approach uh, and we we also talked about the Clear Lines Festival. So part of the reason we talked about consent is because we're both performing tomorrow in London. If you're in London, uh, it's an evening show. There's a stand-up show at the Clear Lines Festival, which is a festival of consent. Um, and there's great, great, great acts. It's Sarah Pascoe, Tiff Stevenson, uh, Bridget Christie, me, a couple of other really top-notch acts. And it's well worth your time to come along and watch that. I guarantee you it will not be all the same jokes. Um, I always quite like being on on a lineup where there's a theme or something because you get to see the breadth of different takes on an issue rather than just hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, I wanted to say thank you everybody who's been subscribing to the Patreon. It's incredible. Um, I really appreciate it. I am I'm trying to um, provide you guys with more value. So email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com or message me on the Patreon service or hit me up on Twitter at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. I've also got merch on the website if you want, uh, if you want um, Christmas presents that are themed to that or other presents or just generally um, like my stuff. That's all on the website. And other than that, it is cold. I've been swimming in the mornings and I'm probably going to stop doing that because this morning it was just painfully cold. The, 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 I guess the, the very thin line between self-care and self-harm, I think, is I'm, I'm delicately balancing on that line right now. So I might not do any more early morning swims. I'll see how I feel tomorrow. Mm, what else? Thank you, everybody, who's been giving feedback on the episodes, emailing me or hitting up my guests on Twitter. That makes a big difference um, because then they feel good about having been on my show and they're more likely to recommend other interesting people to come on the show if, if they feel like you're listening and they feel like you're engaging, which you are. I mean, it's a, it's a, I'm very, very lucky to have such incredibly lovely and engaged fans. I get emails all the time, every day, and I try to reply to all of them because it makes a big difference to feel like you're listening. This is just me rambling at this point. I had a few things. I might do a solo podcast sometime this week uh, because I have a few things that I just want to ramble through in my head. I've been uh, taking on board a lot of your recommendations. I asked for sci-fi recommendations because my new show is going to be about artificial intelligence and I just got an absolute flood of that, which is fantastic. And everybody who's been um, hitting me up post, hearing me on the bugle, hi, welcome to this podcast. It's where I have tea with interesting people and talk about difficult ideas. I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, not funny and it's not meant to be, uh, except incidentally, it's about um, it's about talking about difficult things in a complex and nuanced way, which I don't think there is necessarily enough of in the particularly in the mainstream media that's a little intro or a primer or if you want to know how to describe this podcast that is what I want it to be and I hope it gets to that point that's enough for me I will let you listen to this uh, conversation that I had with Tiff I really enjoyed having it I hope you enjoy listening to it I'll see you next week bye this 
Yeah, I'm just eating baklava. Yeah. See if we can keep that in. Yes, it's the best. So, who are you and what are you drinking? Mm-hmm. I'm Tiff Stevenson. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know that generally I'm drinking uh, a cappuccino. I have an espresso machine. Deadly. Deadly espresso machine, which means you put in a little pod and out comes delicious coffee. And then you drink 27 in a day and wonder why you're so edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm having decaf tea, uh, which has been very good and some baklava. Um, I had the experience today of getting my photos from a photo shoot that I'm doing for next year's promo. Uh, and so I had a surge of, of self-loathing and insecurity, which happens regularly once a year when I get hundreds of photos of my own face. No one should look at their own face that much. That's the problem with photographs. No, I mean, no. And also makeup artists always put on more eyebrows than I have. And I think I have enough eyebrows. <laughs> you know, like I think I just How much is too much eyebrow? Just Frida Kahlo eyebrow? Just strong extra eyebrow. And I just think I don't need more. I don't need less eyebrow. I, I love have, a strong eyebrow. I have I adequate am, eyebrow. <laughs> I, am, I am into the heavy brow. I like a Frida Kahlo brow. Incredible eyebrows. Mine are quite, but mine look like slugs. Mine are quite black and they grow like an old man's nose hair. Oh, that's so good. So they really grow at a lick and... Uh, I have to sort of keep control of them, but I do believe heavy brows are youthful. Ah, interesting. Well, yes. I, they, I think they make me look a little grim. Anyway, the point being um, my, my regular, um, uh, what do you call it, pilgrimage to female insecurity, uh, <laughs> just to keep in touch with the real people. Um, and then I you went to the You seem like you were a bit confident this week, so I feel like yeah, I whenever I see a woman down. being too confident, <laughs> I will hand her a, a copy of a magazine or make her take a phone call from her mother and that will get rid of that yep and then and then and then i went to the gym and maybe went slightly too hard so i was a little bit shaky uh and then i have had baklava and some tea milky tea and i feel much more human yes and a warm blanket you have a heated blanket which is an amazing innovation i i'm very impressed by it so this might be a christmas present for alice it seems it seems sort of dangerous <laughs> How hot is it? You can turn, you can no, adjust no, no. the heat. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's making me feel very woomy. Um, woomy, yes, yeah. Um, I'm very, yeah. I guess this, this is a technology in London. It snowed this morning. Did it? I, yes, very briefly. I ran around trying to catch it on my tongue, uh, like a tourist. You see, I wouldn't know if it snowed this morning because I didn't get up till midday. Oh, good. So I am struggling to sleep at the moment, mainly because I've been grinding my teeth. So I've been given a mouth guard, but I'm struggling to, this is not particularly interesting, but I'm struggling to sleep with it in because I feel like I'm almost like clenching my jaw harder because I've got this weird sort of... You've got a thing in your mouth. Foreign object in my mouth, so... You're used to sleeping with stuff in your mouth. No. It's totally yeah. human and normal. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling through that a little bit, so I feel a bit tired. And it's this time of year, like literally everyone I've spoken to is depressed. So, and it's, you know, it's, of course it's linked and the days are shorter and it's dark pretty much immediately it was probably dark when you got here was it yep yeah yeah which is depressing it is depressing so, considering is. the last time we spoke we were both in sydney, sydney. yes it was uh, very very nice and warm and we'd just been for a swim yeah so this is a different different country different place different season same awesome team yes uh, but we are we're we're doing the consent festival this weekend. Yes, that's what we were talking about. So we thought we would do a podcast about this about about consent uh, clear lines. Clear lines festival. When I first heard this festival, 
my friend told me it was the sexual assault festival and I said, I hope it's not called that. Because <laughs> otherwise you're going to get a lot of very confused men in fedoras <laughs> yeah. showing up. Men in fedoras, they're always in fedoras as well. Oh, um, so yes, uh, originally Winnie set it up. So anyone that listens to this, you've had Winnie on the show before, yeah, Winnie, haven't you? Emily, she's amazing. Yes. Winnie's incredible. And her book won the Not the Booker Prize this year, which I'm very pleased for her. Um, she's just one of the most sort of inspirational people I know, Winnie. Um, I've known her for ooh, probably about 15 years now. And when I first knew Winnie, she was a film producer. And now she's a writer, an activist, and has taken her own sort of story as a rape survivor and really um, just managed to make change and good in the world. And I am like really, I just admire her for that. I admire her for her candidness, her being able to talk about stuff and channel her pain into into helping other people. So I think she's really incredible. And she, she set this festival up two years ago. And the main thing that happened was... Um, uh, myself and Dr. Nina Burrows, who's a clinical psychologist, I believe, who deals uh, quite a lot with victims of, of sort of sexual trauma. Mm. Uh, we did a bunch of regional press and interviews and Winnie was very stuck on putting on the idea of a comedy night. So interestingly, people were like, you can't have a comedy night about rape. You know, you just can't do it. You can't have a comedy night about consent. Like, what are you doing? And when we did all the regional interviews... All of the people that brought it up as a problem or an issue were male presenters. Interesting. Going, well, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about this. And uh, Well, <laughs> that's really interesting because I think it, the only way that, that rape can be funny is if the victim of the joke or the butt of yeah. the joke is not the victim of no, the... No, it's... I, I more than reserve the right or I always reserve the right to make fun of rapists. Yes. Like that's how you, t- I mean, we we talk about, I mean, it's broader than that. It's not as if you just get up and we do two hours of talking about that. But we also talk about, you know, I've got a lot of stuff in my set at the moment about harassment and catcalling because for the last couple of years, whenever I do anything on TV, what I often get is a tweet from a guy going, I thought you were really funny and am I allowed to say beautiful? Yeah. I don't know what the rules are. Yes. So I do the rules of complimenting women and yes. it's quite a lot. It's like a, it's like a 10 minute routine. If you want to hear it, you can hear it on YouTube. I've put it up. It's called the rules of complimenting women. But uh, I go through what is considered to be a compliment. And of course you're allowed to compliment women. But the, my main point is you may not get the response you want and compliments always come with a subtext. Yes. And that's where often. men find the difficulty because they've, they've put themselves out there. And also like as a little caveat, you know, if you're, if your compliment is shouted from the top of a building or out of a moving car, if the Doppler effect applies to your compliment, <laughs> you know, nice tits, you know, that's not, it's street <laughs> harassment. They're, they're different things. So this is the kind of stuff we'll be discussing broadly, but you know, I want to be able to do jokes. I wrote a joke, which was, um, how many sexual predators does it take to change a light bulb? Um, one, but they have to do it 50 more times before anyone believes it's happened. Yes. Right? You know, which is a funny and clever joke. And obviously, the joke there is on <clears throat> society and the perpetrators. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's. The joke is on a society for, for not, not, you know, attacking people for not believing women, you know? It's a really interesting a comment on that. It's a really interesting thing because I've always um, sort of steered clear of marketing myself as a feminist comedian, in part because I don't want to talk just to people who already agree 
yeah with me um and in part because i i often want to take a kind of a more um, not nuanced but a, a different angle on things i don't want people to know necessarily where i'm coming from or where i'm going mm. and that's part of the fun of of comedy for me it's also Look, if you label the, stuff too much it's too on the nose and it also is part of the thing that gets me in trouble when I do get in trouble. It's because <clears> people don't know where I'm coming from or necessarily trust me to know where I'm going. I'm a big believer if you have to state what it is <laughs> before you do the thing, you've sort of failed. And yeah, I have about people. That on Will Anderson's podcast. Yeah, like, and I'm I'm a person that people label as a feminist comedian. Look, I'm a hum, human comedian. A humanist I'm a you know of course I talk about feminism but I also talk about plenty of other stuff you know it's, it's inherently going to have that angle mm. because I'm a woman yeah who believes in the equality of, of the sexes you know but, but it's it's not the only thing that I do you know so it's I, yeah yeah I did talk about that on Will's podcast I do I just think I just think let the audience watch and take away what they want to take away and also if you if you do that, you can't go to Up the Creek on a weekend on a Saturday night and they bring you out as feminist comedian. And there's there's been so many times where I've done that show and I'll get blokes in their 50s will come over and go, I love that girl. I never thought about it that way before. And imagine announcing it as they'd be like, they're being told that their mum's coming out and they're getting it. Well, not their mum because they're older than me. But, you know, like for younger guys, you're like, welcome now you're going to be... Welcome to a lecture. Welcome to a lecture. Yeah, it's not a lecture. It's not a TED talk. It's It's me doing jokes and if they can leave going oh I hadn't thought about it from that perspective then that's the win yeah yeah I, I really I'm, I'm really interested to do this festival um on the weekends because I'm interested on the weekend because I'm interested to see what the audience is like because I asked a friend of mine who's a very uh, manly man if he would come along and watch it just because I think he'd have an interesting take on it and he'd he'd find it interesting and he just immediately was like oh no I couldn't like I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong thing I don't want to be walking in there being seen as the enemy and I was joking I was like I can put some eyeliner on you like get you in disguise but he, he genuinely was afraid and he's a, a good man he's a man to whom you know consent is important he's a all of this stuff but he was really afraid of that idea of of being in that place and and being seen as the enemy and i think that's one of the things that we have to fight as much as possible because if you're only talking to the people who already agree with you then you yeah the great thing about the show last year is it was it was a mixed audience um i say it probably skewed slightly more female maybe 60 40 and we had a q a afterwards and lots of men they had so many questions you know like how do we raise better sons how do we teach them about consent how do I approach this with a woman you know because that's the other thing the, the flip side of it the other angle which is happening at the moment it's like well now you can't even talk to a woman because someone's going to accuse you of a thing and you go no that's no. not true that's not true and that's what you want to believe rather than have a nuanced discussion about it then that's what you want to believe but we all know it's not it's not black or white there's not like you know there's lines in the law yeah that are there and they exist you know but um as we're seeing at the moment it's it's all very it's all very tricky area and you would probably know this as a lawyer more than me but if you talk about stuff like this on stage or you mention people I, th I think we're okay because libel laws say the burden of proof is on the accused. Yeah, so if something a says defense to yeah a defense to an accusation of, of libel is truth. Right. So if you are if you b believe it 
to be true and if you're not using it maliciously to damage their reputation. So that goes to intent and and so on. But the, the laws here are slightly different to in Australia. In Australia, it's actually a lot harder. Uh, the libel laws are much more difficult. Um, so people can wave a libel suit at you and shut you up. Right. Whereas here, it's much, it's much less so. And if it's a criminal case, the burden is on the accuser, yeah. obviously, to prove that it's rape. Yeah, but, um, and, then, and then people go, why don't women report? It, it's fascinating. The libel laws are looser here in part because of those terrible tabloid magazines. Right. Who have sort of pushed and pushed back the line and actually made it easier to accuse people of things. Uh, yeah, well, and then and then people get involved in super injunctions and stuff like that here as well, depending yeah. on how litigious, you know. So well, you can always represent yourself. Yeah, and the laws are, you know, thanks to the, um, the plain English movement in law, they're getting easier to read. It's just if you're willing, like law is boring to read, but it is legible. You can read it, so you can figure out where you stand on a situation. It's all freely available online. And, and the reason I ask this, because it seems to be coming up a lot, a lot of stand-ups are talking about this at the moment. Um, now, women have been talking about it for a long, long time. And what we're now seeing is a, I was going to say a rash of male comedians, but that has negative connotations. But I suppose in a way, <laughs> I think they all think they need to have a take on it now. And this probably feels like the time where you could probably just step back a little bit well i think part of i i saw this at old rope your excellent night on monday which was every male comedian came up and it's new material night and it's topical so you can understand that about it but it felt a little bit like oh i've got to have material about this in part to prove that, that I'm, I'm one of the good guys that i'm one of the good guys you know yeah. like if i've got a joke about this it, it means i'm definitely not one of the bad guys yeah which is uh, not necessarily true <laughs> as as uh you know been very famously proved otherwise by louis ck yes who had many <laughs> sort of feminist jokes and yeah all sorts of things i mean i think it, it is i think it is hard for men now uh but not not that hard well there was a comic that came up a couple of weeks ago and again you were there this night and kind of went who's doing this and then kind of went Who's ever had someone like take a dick out in front of them when they didn't want it? And about 20 women in the room went, me? Yeah. Like, so the, so I think for so many men, it's just so shocking. Yeah. The idea that this goes on and you go, for us, it's not. For us, it's a lived reality. And what's happening now is people are feeling very raw about it and upset and angry because all of that stuff that we've internalized and normalized for the past, you know, let's say you know, 15 to 20 years yeah, is now flooding to the surface. And I just the other day sat down and wrote stuff in my, and this is not even going through my acting career, but I wrote stuff in my notes on my phone of times where I'd been on the receiving end of harassment or base misogyny. Yeah. And I hit 20 examples without even trying particularly hard. And some of those people are well-respected people within the industry or, you know, gatekeepers and people that can, you know, and you can say no and you can reject these people, but is it still going to cost you, you know, and you can't tell that down the line, but... And equally, I think this is a really interesting point, is if you know someone and you know them well and they make an inappropriate joke in your presence, which comedians always do. It's part of being comedian and it's part of the fun is that you can cross lines with other comedians that you would never do with someone who you didn't know very well. It's a sign of intimacy that you're willing to 
try a risky joke around them. If that's in the context of a respectful, kind, loving relationship where they treat you like a person, they laugh at your jokes, you laugh at their jokes, you'll laugh that joke off. You won't even remember it. Yes, yeah. It's it's when you go, oh, steady on, mate, and then they like, then they treat you like you're something else or they, the, the, the jokes that they keep doing just put you in the wrong place or they're doing it in a way to challenge you. Well, when the state, that's the difference between a friend and someone in the industry who has a higher status. Yeah. Because then it's a very, very different dynamic. And I remember this happening with uh, a club owner in London, like a notorious, there's two notorious, there's one that's just been reported loads. Yeah. And then there's another one who... <clears throat> once when I went to collect my money after a gig, um, sort of screamed in my face in front of the audience and two of the guys that were on kind of going, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? What you think you deserve to get paid after that? Literally screaming in my face, like for a gig that I've been booked for to get paid at. Yes. Um, and I just, to clarify, I'd done really well at the show. <laughs> like, it wasn't as if I'd stunk out the room, but irrelevant. Even if I'd have stunk out the room, contractually, I would have done my job. Yes. Depending on how funny that person thinks you are or are not is kind of irrelevant. You've been contracted to do a job. You do your time. Yes. Everything out. Like, if you didn't do very well, then they're within their prerogative to not book you again. Comedy is always a risk unless you have an explicit contract where you say, I'm only going to pay you if you get this many laughs at this decibel volume, which it does not happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and it was so awful. And he screamed in my face. And it was like, it was really, really abusive. And that same club owner once like spat in the face of a female agent at like the end of year comedians party and I was like this person is I'm not seeing them do it to men yeah I'm not seeing them treat them in that abusive way this is just one example of someone who then recently was struggling with their business and then was kind of like why does no one help me and I in my head and I never said anything but in my head I went I know why I don't help you yeah. I know why I have got no time or inclination, but it was sort of like, where are all the famous comics that made their names here? And it's like, maybe try not being an abusive asshole, then they'll come forward and help you. Yeah, I've had I've had a similar experience in Sydney with a, a guy who used to book me a lot in the early days. But the way that he treated me, he'd give me spots, but he would... He'd fuck me around, you yeah. know. He'd he'd I'd show up and he'd say, "Oh, I guess you want a spot then, do you?" And then not tell me if I had one or not, and then say, "You're on now," or "You're emceeing," or whatever it was. He, he'd play these mind games, and then he's like, "Oh, I guess I'll pay you," and then he wouldn't, or he'd just hand me money. It was it was he was genuinely playing quite sadistic little mind games on a very small scale. He did give me a lot of spots. I got a lot of experience on his stage, and when his uh, club shut down I walked away thinking I owe him nothing yeah he, whatever he wanted like I got something out of it whatever the hell he got out of it he got I didn't feel in a way that I don't feel about other people who were generous with me and who gave yeah me you'll always go back and help those people that kind of helped you early on in in your career and gave you opportunities and gave you work when you were like, oh, I really need this work. You know, and there's people like that, like Dan Dearlove, uh, you know, at the backyard who, 
you know, early doors, like gave me comparing work and work and always booked me and was so lovely to me. Yeah. And, you know, so people like that are like, if Dan wants a favour, then I'll probably do a favour for Dan. You know, um, 99 Club, you know, like Jim has always been really fair. I'll always be ready to do a favour for Jim. Yeah. And that's how people do it. They go, if you supported me, if you were good to me, then I'll be good. If you're good to mama, mama's good to you. To yeah, quote and equally, <laughs> um, if Chicago. Any, but <laughs> if any of the people who treat you like a person, you know, if they're gazing off into the middle distance or they just happen to be looking at your boobs, yeah. you, it's, you don't take that as a, as a yeah. sign of disrespect because it's just... Well, also, also... You know, there's a and there's a difference, but there's been ones that you go, that person's asking me out. That person wants to take me on a date, or they've been more explicit and gone, we should fuck. Yeah. And you say no. Yeah. Right. Which is what I've done. There's been a, a few people that that's happened with, and I've said no, and then I go, oh, now I've just not been booked. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, now I've just not been booked, or now, you know, someone trying to break into my bedroom, one Edinburgh, you know, things like that. Oh, and that was when I first sort of started really in stand-up. I'd only been doing it, you know, um, started properly in 2006, did a character for a little while in 2005. But so in 2007, that happened, you know, so it's so early in your career. Yeah. And when people are powerful, you just, you're afraid to say something and what good, what good is it going to do? Or even people that you might be friendly with, who then later on down the line, like a very exploitative and abusive of that friendship, you know? I think the rule of thumb for anyone, and both women and men, but particularly men, um, should be that if you... There's no harm in trying. There's no harm in in approaching somebody in a sexual way, even if there is a power imbalance, so long as you keep the door open for them to exit with grace. Yes. So if you go... You know, I have a friend who's a very big man and he's also a very, like, sexual man and he'll hit on basically every woman that he meets. But he does it in this way because he's conscious of himself as a big man, as a threatening man. He says, absolutely no offence if you say no, but I just wanted to say you look amazing. Here's my number. If you want to call me, we could hook up sometime. And that's fine. As long as that... But that's the problem. This is the problem. It's it's kind of legislating attraction, isn't it? That's the bit I talk about in the compliments. It's not the compliment that's a problem. Of course you can. It's your expectation of what will come out of that. Yes. And as happened with a couple of, like sort of comics I found out like turn a man down once holds a grudge for a lifetime yeah like sometimes you can turn a person down and you think it's okay and then later on you just kind of get punished for it yeah (laughs) Uh, by being publicly humiliated or you know blocked or whatever else and those are the kind of things that you go this is really uncool and I guess all of those articles that came out in the states were like how many women have we lost you know how many women have we lost because they just couldn't, because what you have to do is normalise it to a degree in order to be able to keep pursuing a career in comedy. Yeah, you have to let it float off you or brush off you or, you know. As... <laughs> I bumped into a friend of mine the other day who used to be sort of a, she used to be a promoter and so she still works a bit in comedy but went off to do other things in event management. She was like, do you remember how awful all the men were to you when you started? And I just, a bit, but it's like, everyone having these conversations of kind of like, like I remember some of them being really horrific to you. Now, of course, I also remember some being really generous and giving. Yeah. But we are in a kind of industry where behavior like that is openly accepted. 
kind of abusive and harassy behavior or just misogyny. And that needs to go. There's no place for it. There doesn't need to be a place for it. But we're, when you say this to people, they're kind of so shocked because comedy's like 15 years behind. If this was in a corporate environment, like years ago, they tackled all that stuff. Sort of in the 80s, a little bit. Yeah, but 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 openly saying things or yes. openly saying, I'm not going to promote you because you're a woman. Yeah. Openly saying, asking a woman in a job interview, are you planning on getting pregnant, is illegal. It is illegal, but it, the fact that it's illegal, I mean, all of this stuff still exists in society and so it goes underground. I have a friend who's got a small business and he says, I just don't know if I would hire a woman in her late 20s because it's a risk for me. And he's a totally reasonable man. He's just like, I can't sustain maternity leave with my small business. I just can't pay for that. I can't pay for that. But then that. your small business can't sustain itself then. Yeah, well, if this it is the other side of if, things. If it can't do the basic thing that t- makes it equal and fair for everyone to work, yeah, you know, if I it mean, can't sustain it, then... So it is that thing now where a lot of this stuff has gone underground in the corporate world because the law exists. And, and so they've, they've dealt with a, a symptom, but the problem is still there. Yes. Yeah, and this is... By the way, this is, you know, so it's a microcosm, isn't it? Of I always think whatever's going on in our industry, of course, people kind of go, well, why are we just talking about entertainment? It happens everywhere. Yeah. This abuse of power and these inherent power structures that exist that have kind of held women down for years enable, it's all part of a culture, isn't it, really? It is. It is it's that's ab- made to kind of devalue women. And, and comedians and performers live their life in public more or less, depending on who they are. So, of course, it's going to be more open. And we're also the people who are um, either compelled to or tasked with saying things that people don't want to hear. Yeah. Well, also as well, like, there have been little small movements or uprisings where every now and then people come together and they go, ah, this needs to be, you know... And that happened in Australia, didn't it? Yeah. There was like a few people that came together and went, or even just women supporting each other going, you know, and, and this is when people get annoyed and go, it's an open secret and everyone knows about this person and no one cares or why isn't anyone saying anything? <clears throat> the reason for that is it's only the story to tell of the people it's happened to. Yes. Because... And it is incredibly frustrating to have somebody come to you with a problem and this has happened with me more than once with young open micers who come to me and say this is a problem and I'll say I'll go to the police with you we can do a thing about it you know like let's let's do something and they will go oh no I can't it's frustrating but you just you can't argue with that you can't and it's 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 up to them and also we can't you know uh we can't share stories that are second and third and fourth hand. No. That's that's another thing. That so everyone that. can hear a thing, but until the people who are involved, the individuals are who, you know, who are involved in it step forward and are in a place where they feel they can. And sometimes people don't want to because they don't want to be a victim Yes, you don't want to be a victim, you don't want that to frame how you're seen, you don't want to be seen as trouble. It's that weird paradox where if somebody causes you trouble and then you make a fuss about it, you're seen as the one who's causing the trouble. I I, I like to think of it as being like an external lever. If it were that every time a guy crossed this line it would become public, 
Like yes. the, girl, the girl will go, look, I'm sorry, mate, I've got no choice. I've got to take this to the authorities. Yeah. And it wasn't seen as a choice. That would be, I think, a lot, a lot easier. But now it is seen as a choice because there are consequences for the women who speak out. My friend Kate Lever recently outed a, a journalist, quite a, a prominent jo- journalist. In a way, you know, he'd, he'd asked her out for lunch and then he'd pushed her up against a wall and, and she said, oh, no, I just want to be friends. And she, he said, I've got enough friends. I, I want to yeah. f- fuck you, basically. And he lost his job. That seems like such a clear-cut case of bad behaviour. And even so, she got death threats, rape threats, just the most horrible shit. For that very clear-cut case, this senior man asked her out to talk about her career, explicitly said, let's talk about, you know, your career. A promotion, uh, work opportunities, yeah. And then they had lunch and then he physically aggressed her and then denigrated her in a really disrespectful way. Like, there's nowhere there that I can see blame for her. Yeah. And even so... And she's, <coughs> she's got lots of shit for saying it. And so what if it is a more complex situation? What if it's a grey area where you were, you know, charming and flirty in order to, you know, advance your career? And then he took it the wrong way and then took it badly when you rejected him. Or, you know, I had a guy who offered to help me with my costume last year. I said, oh, I'm thinking about this costume. I had a ridiculous costume for Empire for no real reason other than I thought it would be fun to have a costume and I built it into the show and so on and so forth. But so th- this was when I was contemplating the costume, what should I wear and I should get some, some boots to go with this costume. I want it to be sort of space age, super villain, um, Disney villain and he started saying... It was quite Flash Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon, David Bowie, that yeah, kind of... Yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought it was fun and I was brainstorming ideas and this guy, senior comedian in the UK, said, oh, let me help. I love doing this kind of thing. I love this fashion style and started sending me photographs of different clothes, usually on female models, and then started sending me pictures of nude women with spread legs. <sighs> and I said, oh, that's in- I, that makes me feel uncomfortable. And he said, no, 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 look at the boots. And I was like, I'm looking at her vagina. Yeah, this, you've not sent me boots. I'll tell you what you could do. If you really want me to see those boots, you could crop out the rest. Yeah, do a little Photoshop, mate. And just send me the boots. But what you're doing now is, it's, and it's, it's power. That's, it's really horrible. That's really horrible. And it is horrible, but it was also one of those situations where... I didn't feel like I could tell people about it because I'd asked for his help and he was helping me and he was insisting that this was just, you know. Here's, here's what it is. It's when they say, why don't you report? Or why, why did you go to the room? Why did you meet with the person? Is because what happens is systematically, like, like it, your trust is gained inch by inch by inch. And then every time you question it, you're made to seem as if you're a lunatic, high maintenance, crazy, vain. Don't flatter yourself. That's not what's happening here. Yes. So women are just being gaslit. <laughs> like oh, the nice. whole the whole history of what's happened. And I shared a, a, a I'm happy to share this story, but I, I, I shared this on Facebook uh, when the Me Too sort of stuff first started. And it was one that happened to me whilst I was acting, I met uh, a guy who told me he was a producer on a show, but I met him on the set of a show Mm. and I was 18 or 19. I think this was before mobile phones, but I had a pager. And he said, look, I'm very interested in getting you to host this show that we're making to present it. Mm. So 
let's meet up and discuss it. So we met up in Paddington in a cafe, you know, had a coffee, chatted about the project. And he said, well, look, you should definitely watch the pilot. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to see the pilot. And he was like, right, let's go back to mine then. Oh. Because I've got the pilot there. And I say, oh, no, no, I can't go back to yours. Uh, you know, and he went, well, if you want to host the show, you need to see the show. So you're like, oh, yeah, well, I do want to host the show. I do need to see the show. So I guess I'm being a bit ridiculous. Then I go to the house and there is a pilot, which I watch. And he says, we should talk about it more, but I'm, I'm going to have a, he said, uh, I'm going to have a sauna. And I was like, oh, okay. Then he goes off and he comes back <coughs> in just like a, a robe. Yep. And this is one of my other jokes. It was taken by someone recently, knew somewhere else. And I was a bit like, I did a joke on Twitter about, <coughs> you know, uh, Cosby, uh, Donald Trump and uh, Harvey Weinstein. Like, I think what we need to really start looking at is Terry Towel in bathrobes <laughs> and having a moratorium on them because they're only ever worn by creepy guys. So write down the name and address <laughs> you buy cold and flu medication. They need to track this. That's great. Yeah, yeah, right. So we need to have a, we need to start looking into this. What is it about that fabric? Um, so he came back in this like toweling bathrobe and slippers, like clearly naked underneath and was like, so we'll go in the sauna. And I was like, oh, oh I do. And he was like, well, we're going to carry on talking in there. So again, it's like the, the, the onus is on me for being weird yeah he's got a sauna in his house so, so we're going to continue talking about the project so he gives me a robe because i'm going in so i take the robe and i put it on over all of my clothes <laughs> <laughs> which i think was i like the not expected part and i go into the sauna and He's sort of chatting then vaguely and then suggests I give him a massage. And then I say, I feel really sick. I've got to go. And I sort of run out of the house and I go to a payphone and I call my dad and he comes to pick me up. I was still living at home at that point. I think that's how young I was when it all happened. And then I found out post to that that he was actually an accountant working on the show. He wasn't anything to do with producing it. Um, and that is just one of... So I mean, in in the acting world, it is it, it is so prevalent. I mean, that's why we did casting call Woe, because that you know was talking about these experiences. I remember once getting an email from someone who's saying they were working on a film, and then I looked up their name. I found them on IMDb. They were working on the film, um, but it said sort of composer, and I was like, why is this guy involved in casting this film? Kind of going, here's the script, um, and basically said like tiffany will need to do the audition naked is to play a dead body naked because what happens is in the scene she'll get rolled up in a carpet and like thrown away just this corpse so we need to see if she can make it look like she's not breathing with no clothes on i mean that was that was, that was the justify i've still got the email somewhere like in my in my inbox in my hotmail account which has been around since account accounts on the internet started and I forwarded it to my agent and she, or did it go via No, it came direct to me. I gave, so I met, they said they were working. I gave them my email address, that happened. And she went apeshit. And then they forwarded it on to the films, to the 
casting people and the casting people are like we're not involved in this project so it's like a big casting agent like jeremy zimmerman or someone who, who who does massive projects and he was like i don't know anything about this project then we find the director of it and he's like we've just fired him off the production he was the composer we're so sorry thank you for bringing this up and you know and that got dealt with like quite swiftly but I was like, that's just someone working on a thing. Two example of two men working on a thing, not involved in any way with casting or whatever else. But just leveraging even the perception of the power. Yes. To trick a woman into taking bed. her clothes off or to bed. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's an amazing because I get I get this quite a lot from my non comedy or non sort of involved friends of like it's so boring this gender stuff. Why are we talking about it all the time? Why does this like it's it just so repetitive and dull and boring? It's it's repetitive and dull and boring for us. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't sign up to be a female comedian. Like, yes. I didn't think of myself as a, a female comedian. I signed up because I liked Monty Python. You know, like I. I signed up because I had friends doing it and it was fun and then you do a gig out of town and they go, well, normally it's just guy comedians so we all just share share a bed. And I go, well, I'm not comfortable with that and then all of a sudden I'm causing it trouble, I'm making it cost more, I'm I'm ruining it for them. Yes, yeah, and, and here's the thing, you... Um also, you make the little changes where you can make the change. And sometimes if you're higher up on the food chain in a thing, you try and make it better for the next woman or the next people coming through, like in small ways, because exactly that. I didn't sign up to be a female comedian. I didn't, you know, I just wanted to be a comic yeah. and I'm funny and I have stuff to say. So I was like, that's fine. And then I was like, wow, if I thought the acting world was sexist, I sort of had no idea yeah. <laughs> there was just there's l less work in the acting world because there's just less stuff being written for women and so it was more competitive but I feel like I mean just silly things like I remember there's a, a club a big club gig and to be fair they've always been really really good to me and they were very fair like the first time I did an open spot for them it went really well years and years ago and they just booked me for weekend straight away um but they would only serve draft beer behind the bar. It's just small little things like this. They'd only serve draft beer behind the bar. And I was like, I don't want to drink draft beer. I drink Prosecco. <laughs> I just, like, I, that's yeah. what I've always drunk. Um, so like, and I think I'd maybe ask for that or white wine at the time. And they were like, oh, okay. And then all the women that came through, they were like, oh, we can get wine and Prosecco in there now because you said maybe all the women don't want to and there's plenty of women that love drinking beer yeah i just don't it's too gassy for me it's too bloaty i drink what i want to drink but it's just that the thought hadn't been there that that you might want something different you know and the rule wasn't uh, it used to be i think get whatever you want from the bar and then obviously as always happens one comedian comes in and and ruins that by turning up one night when they're not on and hammering the bar for three free drinks and then no one gets free drinks. you know that's sort of how that happened in the first place but then it went back to being draft and I was like well why can't you just you know have a couple of bottles of wine or Prosecco in for anyone that wants that the guys sometimes want it as well not all guys want to drink beer all the time anyway yeah I, I remember Law Review which was my first sort of sense of having any power in the industry at all and that's not even the industry it's a university sketch show but one of the one of the like staple sketches was the nude sketch, right? 
and it's funny because people come and they watch it and they get to see the future Supreme Court justices of Australia in the nude Make being it. silly. And, you know, usually the women would wear underpants on the bottom and nothing on the top and it would all it was kind of a choreography game of not showing any bits but playing the risk of that. And I just said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And the amount of, like, peer pressure. <laughs> oh, no, women never want to do the nude, never, never want to do the nude sketch. So they, they, they talked all these girls who were in the, in the show into doing this nude sketch. And they're like, if you don't do it, then the other girls won't want to do it because, you know, they look up to you. And I was like, cool. Not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, I'm not, yeah, and then all of a sudden you change something for everyone else. Yeah. Because if you're the first person that says no, then other people feel empowered to say no. Yeah, and I don't want... Like, does an audience want to watch 16 desperately uncomfortable 19-year-olds yeah. regretting their choices? Like, I don't... Like, only do something like that if you're enthusiastic about it. And it's not... not you know, anyone who wanted to do that, that's fine. If you felt, you know, if you had fewer hang-ups in your family about being nude in public than I did. Yeah, but also as well, there's a, you know, and I'm sure now it would be argued as a case for body positivity, but body positivity seems to be, it seems to be more about if you're outside of what like kind of acceptable body shapes are. Yeah. So if you feel like you're making a stand because you're going, society says this isn't the accepted standard of beauty. Yeah. Whatever that is, because I don't think there is a necessarily an accepted, but, you know, because there's different ideas in different parts of the world as to what is a beautiful body, but you're kind of going, oh, I'm making a statement about this. Yeah. You know, then that's a different thing as well. But also that would be an individual personal choice. Yeah, don't force yeah. somebody to make a statement. And then, yes. At that time but but also, oh, I, I guess my point to that would have been at 19 everyone's pretty pretty attractive. looking pretty attractive still so it is it is a thing of titillation and and of that that's different to asking a 40 year old or a 50 year old man or woman to go okay we're going to do this and the reason we're going to do this is because kind of like it's like a it's risque and it's it, i remember watching the, the beginning of nocturnal animals have you seen that film yeah and being quite confronted by the opening and going through every sort of emotion, you know, because it's got those women dancing, hasn't it? In the, you know, and th some of them are like quite big boob women and they're swinging around. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. And then I was like, oh, no, it's not. It's beautiful. And then I was like, this is incredible. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling all of that. That means it might be the most amazing and it's just normal bodies. But also I'm seeing them move in a way that I don't see normal bodies kind of move around. Yeah. And I sort of went through lots of it. And I was like, that was kind of thought provoking and interesting. And, and afterwards, I still wasn't sure whether it was um, exploitative or was it groundbreaking or was it beautiful? Like, I, it I think be it'd be both. all of them. I think it was all of those things. But that's very different to being 19. <laughs> the bodies are much more, you know, even if you're in terms of shape and size and everything else, that's before all of the things kick in you know, for your body as you get older. Well, it was just interesting how much of that was sold to me as bonding, as it was, it was peer pressure. It was about group exposure. Yeah. That I wasn't comfortable with. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and if, you know, there's times in, in my life where I've been, you know, where I wouldn't say cunt on stage because my dad was going to come and now I'm happy doing that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's about how comfortable you are in the moment. 
Yeah. You know, there's... And, but you made a difference. You made a change. And that's what we're all doing. We're all... Everyone makes it easier for the next that comes through. Um, I'll give a friend a massage, but I will not give a stranger a massage. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's. it's all about your connection to other human beings. You've uh, you've given me a massage. I have given you a yeah, massage. Yeah, but that's because you admire me. That is... <laughs> Sorry, I was using the Louis C.K. apology yeah, there. As, you know. as I was giving you the massage, you kept offering me gigs. <laughs> yeah, I kept saying, do you, do you admire me? I want to know if you admire me. No, uh, actually what happened was you said, oh I was God, in pain. I'm incredibly in pain. Yeah. And I said, I have a diploma, let me yeah. stick my elbow in you. Yes, yeah. So. <laughs> in your back. I mean, stick. <laughs> I just oh, realised how that sounds. <laughs> um, but yes, and I, I may have another... Alice massage yet? Yes, because yeah. they're um, they're so good. Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it, yeah, it's it's trying to make a little bit of a difference for the next. And like you say, people kind of go, "It's boring. Why are you still talking about this?" And you go, "I have to keep talking about it until it changes." So I'm going on to Women's Hour on Monday, and we're kind of talking about sort of representation again, like in shows. Because here's the other thing that we haven't sort of touched upon yet is in the light of all this coming up and there are guys talking about it in clubs and look, everyone has a right to talk about whatever they want. Mm. But when this was all uncovered, all I saw on TV was mountains of kind of male discourse on what any of it meant and no women, you know, late night hosts being men, panel shows being just predominantly men or having one woman and going... God, now now that woman has to speak for all women. Yeah. Now that woman has to stop being a comedian for a minute to kind of go, seriously, guys, what are you doing? You know, and it's, it's, it, it, that's still, it's still so overwhelmingly male. And well, it's the idea that they didn't even think before those shows went out, maybe in this week, when we're talking about these things, it's, it's probably quite important that we get, Get more, more than one woman. Well, because also not all women agree on this stuff. There are there are, there are a number of really interesting different takes that you can have. But if you're the only woman there, you need to be the one setting the groundwork. Yes. You know, this is not okay, blah, 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 blah. If we can, you know, if you get to that point, then another woman can come in and say, yeah, but also, you know, if you're trading on your sexuality, then maybe part of the job is like a sex work element to it or, an under, you know, and then you can have a, that discussion. Yes, and another woman will have another ang angle. And I argue with my mum over it. I argue with my mum over some of these things, which she has, I know my my mum and her cousin so so my cousin Jane who I think you might have met Jane Dennis she's um you know she's really really great and feminist um and she teaches um you know sort of confidence building workshops and stuff to women in the workplace and also stuff about unconscious bias and you know it, it she's 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 really brilliant and her mum and my mum who are cousins back in the day worked at, I think it was Rank mm. Film Company. And they were telling us uh, at my, uh, you know, my sort of great, in fact, great, is it great, great aunt? Yeah, my great, great aunt Gladys uh, at her funeral, they were sort of telling us how they used to go into the dark room and people would just grab you in there. Guys would go in and just feel you up. And they went, we just didn't make a big deal about it. We just got on with it, didn't we? You know, it's just, it happens. And I go, just because you 
didn't make a big deal about it. So it's just me and sort of Jane arguing with our mums going, just because you didn't make a big deal about it doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't make a big deal about it when it happens now. Yes. And I'm angry for you and I'm sorry for you and that shouldn't have happened. But they were like, oh, you know, it, it was almost like you generate, you're so like... <laughs> Touchy's the wrong word. <laughs> it's kind of like been touched, but you know, like you're oh, you're very sensitive, yeah. you know. And you go, no, no, that shouldn't have happened to you. I'm sorry that happened. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But uh, and then I'll you know argue with my mum over something like Wayne Rooney, <laughs> Wayne Rooney, where she sort of went the the girl in the the girl who was seeing Wayne Rooney in the car. And he yeah. was in her car driving or something. He got caught, but whatever it was. And my mum kept going, that girl knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. And I was like, doesn't matter if she did. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, why are you feeling the need to defend Wayne Rooney? As if, like, even if she knew what she was doing and he was famous and she was doing it for all of those reasons, why are you defending the fact that he couldn't keep his dick in his pants? He's married. He's got kids. Yeah. You know, the the, like... His, you know, his is horrible for his wife. Yeah, I, she hasn't done anything wrong. This woman has, but she's not in a relationship, so she's not cheating. She's she is seeing a ma a married man, a famously married man, and people will have thoughts and opinions about that, you know. Um, but and that she d morally, there's questions to be had there. But he's the one. Well, also, who's men, at fault? Men are not helpless in the face of their desires. Yes. You know, this is one of the things that has historically, a lot of stuff has been done on women to the point where women can be framed as not having desire at all because we're told from very early on that we need to keep it in our pants, look after ourselves, protect ourselves against not That's just men but against our own desire and our own vulnerability. And yes. men are never told that they need to protect themselves against their own desire. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Also, men have no idea. So like when the comic did it old rope where when who's had that happen to them went loads and they went, who does that? And you're like, clearly loads of people. Yeah. That's who does it. But they have no idea how from birth pretty much or as soon as we are old enough to understand the differences between men and women, that women are taught to be vigilant and protect themselves from men yeah, I think it's Margaret careful. Atwood who said is the Margaret Atwood line isn't it it's like you know uh, men are afraid women will laugh at them and women are afraid men will kill them yeah that's yes and the the sort of I mean narratives are really important for people the number of narratives where men will kill a woman because she humiliated him it doesn't happen in the reverse it sounds ridiculous if it if it if you would say it in the reverse, that he embarrassed you or humiliated you, so you killed him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there is a physical there's a physical difference. There's just the physicality. There's a difference between we're equal but different. I mean, that's what we're striving for equality, right? That doesn't mean we can't acknowledge our differences. Yeah. And men are physically imposing over women. Yeah. So the idea, not all men. Yeah. Over all women, but as a rule, we are taught to be to be vigilant and to have a level of fear for protection, for survival. You know, all of that stuff that you like, when you're walking late at night, you put your keys between your fingers. Yeah. So that if someone comes at you, I would walk in the middle of a street rather than on a pavement in case someone jumped out of a bush. And it is really hard if you're a man who means no harm to be looked at like you're a potential enemy. That is a genuine hardship. I, you know, I, 
I don't like it when I'm seen as the enemy or automatically assumed to be the enemy. It's an unpleasant thing for them. But also, there are plenty of guys who kind of go, I realise the the reality of that. I've been walking down a street and it's been quiet and I've seen a woman looking around and I've gone, I'm just going to wait. I'll let her get a fair distance away till she's got where she wants to go and then I'll carry on walking because clearly she's afraid of me. I know I'm not a threat, but she doesn't know that. Yeah. And men don't have to prep themselves to go out into the world in the same way. So, of course, they don't think about it. No, of they course don't. they don't think about it. They're not going, if I wear this, will it affect how I'm received today in the world? Yeah. Is this top, like, I think it looks really nice. It's quite low cut, you know, I, but, but will it affect how I'm perceived when I go out into the world? Will I get the night bus home? No, that's quite dangerous. I'm going to need to get a cab. I'm going to think about, am I going to be in the club with my friends? If I'm on my own, if I'm meeting someone, maybe I won't have a drink until they get there because I can't keep my eyes on the drink all the time and someone could dope my drink. You know, all of these sort of things that a woman goes through, even in the middle of a day, even in the middle of the day where stuff can happen, you know, there's just always, we just always have that protective instinct. And so a good thing that's come out of this is I think, a lot of men or the good good men are beginning to realise just how much of it is out there and every woman that you know or love will have had some form of harassment, aggression, fear. F- fear. I remember there was once a guy who years and years ago when I was temp, temp jobbing, you know, sort of in between acting jobs, I'd ended up working in this office and there was a guy who'd come in for like to meet his friend no yeah it was a friend of someone's who who worked in the office and I've been at the office for ages and he was like oh I like her and he was like kind of trying to get my phone number Mm. and he had the office phone number so there were a few times where he rang and was like ringing for me and I remember saying to reception I'm not here or just saying on do not disturb because I'm not interested in this guy and I've sort of said no but he's ringing and then one day I was off sick from work and someone in the office gave him my home number and then he repeatedly rang the house. Mm. This is how young I was. I got a job like straight after school um, and was working in this office in Hammersmith. And so I was still with my parents and eventually my dad had to kind of like ring up and he was like, I'm interested in your daughter and I don't see why that's a problem. So you tell me what I need to do. And he was like, no, she's, she has her own, she's not interested. She's made that clear. But then was them ringing up and threatening and harassing and it was like a sustained campaign of, of harassment <laughs> yeah and <laughs> someone just just ringing my house with my dad having to like tell you know and that I think is quite eye-opening for men I guess I when also... when their daughters reach that age where they get to see how other men in the world respond I also feel like there's something in there and I don't know what it is but I, I have a guess about this aggressive pursuit vibe and it's not just because they've been told that's their job as men. It's not, it's not that in- inequality. Because there is an inequality that men are seen th- that they should be the pursuers and women should be the pursued. Yeah. That we should be pa- passive in the yeah. exchange. Which is, you know, the, a, a job for feminist women is to go out and pursue men who you're interested in and take the rejections as they come. That's, yeah. you know, our responsibility. But equally, I think it's a, an insecurity and I think this is one of the things that became so apparent with the Louis C.K. thing, is that 
it's an insecurity that you feel like you're undesirable and that no woman will want you and so you've got to go after it and you've got to push down this resistance and there's it's it's a real um it's a real lack of self-esteem there that you're not ever going to be interesting to a woman that you have to kind of go after it and take it and push it and trick her yeah you know but even with guys that are really good looking and are attractive to women sometimes there's a woman who says no mm. then all of a sudden that becomes the game because wait you said no to me everyone says yes to me yeah that just makes me pursue it more yeah that makes me go well I can have whatever I want so now when you're in a position and you've seen this happen with like good looking guys who whether they're successful football players yeah. or pop singers or, you know, actors or whoever, like good looking guys. And people go, why would they need to do that? And you kind of go, it's not about need. It's about power and a certain dominance. And also if you're in a privileged position and you can have, and this is just a theory that I have, but so you're in a privileged position, you can have pretty much whatever you want. That begins to become uninteresting. Yeah. So what, what is interesting, it's the thing that you can't have. Now, whether that's pushing boundaries with a woman who's not interested in you, in a in a underage woman, yep, you know all of these sort of things, yeah, as groups as you of see, women, you know, as you see in pornography, the level and graphicness of the kind of pornography that's in popular searches just keeps increasing because there's a hedonistic level that happens with people where something becomes something that you longed for and reached for and obsessed over becomes standard and then you look for the next thing the more extreme thing the more intense thing and i've told this story before but i think it's maybe instructive like when i was at uni i i never drank but i was interested in this whole i never thing. drank i never drank till my late 20s so what what i was interested in was kind of um Intensity of experience. So as a self-experiment, I would have apple juice and then I gradually over weeks and weeks cut the apple juice with water until it was only a tiny bit of apple juice and a lot of water. And then I had straight apple juice and it was like, whoa, super intense. Yeah. You can be responsible for your own pleasure with that stuff. You can regulate your own desire and your own taste. It's within your ability to go well, I'm going to make it harder for myself. Yeah. I don't need to find a woman who's going to make it hard for me. I'm going to, you know, take things slowly or I'm going to, you know, all of this stuff. Just like... Well, I said it before. Take responsibility. Yeah. Well, I d also, accepting that you can't always have what you want. I think I said that before the podcast. I was like, yeah. the stone song, you know, you can't always get what you want. Yeah. And, you know, I think everyone needs to be taught that from an early age. Yeah. You can't always get what you just because you want it, especially when it comes to sexual desire, does not mean that other person has to give it to you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the boundaries don't have to be clear. And I guess this is something that I wrote stuff on it was my uncomfortably numb show, so it was 2012, but I did some stuff about consent or I did some stuff about teenagers and the boundaries. I used to have this joke about the phrase um overhearing the phrase used by young boys, um, I'll smash her back doors in. Oof. So the, 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 yeah, yeah. And that being like, all of a sudden, this is just a thing that's on the menu. 
Yeah. That's like, and kind of explaining to young girls going, this is not on the menu. Like <laughs> to, to be as explicit as anal virginity, but you'd hear things like anal standard. And my joke was, oh God, what if that replaces the kite mark? You know, like, but like yeah. kind of going anal standard. And, I, and I'm being told by girls like of like 17, 18 and stuff discussing that. They go, yeah, that's what they expect. It's not just your, it's not just one virginity. It's both virginities yeah. and that that is a thing. And I was like, so the joke I used to make about it is like that, you know, when I was that age, that wasn't just a thing that was on a, on the menu. Yeah, That wasn't just up for, that was a thing to be discussed. But what I would do is I would really push the, the words, like just for the audience to hear it. So I would r repeat it. So the whole joke was I would go smash, smash, smash her back doors. It like smash smash them in I want you to hit smash her back doors it and I would do that for about five or six minutes I would literally just repeat that phrase and it would be funny and then it would stop being funny and, then it, and it comes funny back again. into funny again until eventually I go not tap politely at her back doors not apologize for going to the wrong door in the first place and kind of going guys you think you don't know when we go when you go whoops sorry wrong hole no you're not you knew what you were doing <laughs> like you know yeah. And then kind of going, saying to young girls, you know, that's that's not just the thing that's up for, you know, if he says he wants to smash your back doors in, you tell him, you get neighbourhood watch round. <laughs> like you, you put that under lock and key, you know. Um, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, you know, like it's, it is that. It's, it's the idea that these are all things that are to be discussed and negotiated. And that is not to take away that there are women, of course, who want to do that. But you don't just assume. No. And all of these are the kind of rules and things that are changing. Also that there's kind of like, you know, send pictures now for young girls. It's like, if you don't send a naked photo, you're frigid. If you do, you're a slut and yeah. there's no in between. And these things have been there since forever, yeah. but the forms they come in change. Yeah. And until we get right down to that level of educating at the point where sexuality is, um, you know, is is burgeoning, then then we won't learn anything. And I remember having an argument with a with a with a male comedian here who was talking about the fact that his son was about to go to was fourteen and his hormones were raging and there were quite a lot of guys stood around kind of discussing, you know, oh yeah, that's a horrible time, is it? it was like, yeah, you just got hard ons every five minutes and you're just all over the place. And I was like, you know, like thirteen and fourteen year old girls are all over the place as well and getting desires and and feet and all of these feet we have it as well yeah we're sexual beings as well you yeah, know incredibly sort of confused and passionate and obsessive oh my god obsessions of teenage girls yeah her. so so i said and he was like oh well the thing is there's a there's um the end of year disco is coming i can't remember if i've told this story on here before no i don't think so all right so the end of year disco is coming up and because the hormones are raging and memo's gone out to all the parents kind of going what we advise is because of the situation because of the ages like the girls cover their shoulders and their knees mm -hmm. and I was like what and he was like yeah it's really good they're doing something about it and I was like what the fuck are you talking about you might as well just say just cover them from head to foot like that's what and he was like what are you talking about no 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 it's good because the and I was like no what you're doing there is taking a male problem and adjusting female behavior because of a male problem. That's not how that works. What you do is you have conversations with your son 
it's about consent and, you and desire. That the young men wear baggy pants, so, <laughs> so their erections don't show. <laughs> well, baggy pants are worse actually because then you get the tent pole, don't you? Yeah, true. They have to wear tight pants. Maybe they want a bum bag, just a, a <laughs> yeah. low hanging bum bag, <laughs> just a box. Tell them to come with a box. But the joke I kind of I was like, what next? Cover their whole bodies. You just want them to cover their body. Put a paper bag over their head. But you know what's going to happen then? There's always that one kid who's really turned on by a paper bag. You know, he can't go to a supermarket because he's just masturbating at the end of the art like it, it it was crazy i was like that is to say that male desire cannot be you know um cannot be controlled yeah and I was like, that's a really dangerous message to send out to 14 year old the parents of 14 year old boys and girls to kind of go the girls need to adjust what they're doing to compensate for the fact the boys are going through this and you've you've taken away the the the, the female right to desire and attraction and all of that and kind of gone, no, what we're going to do is we're going to do this and we're going to talk to you all about consent and what that means. Yeah, and you can say you can say to somebody, it will be really hard. It's yeah. going to be really difficult for you. Uh, and that's one of the things that is going to happen in life. You <laughs> yeah, know, you will have sometimes difficulty. things are difficult. It's the way that, you know, it's the way that people buy their kids pets so they learn about death early. Money like, management is difficult. Yeah. That's why you get given pocket money <laughs> and you choose whether you save it or you spend it. Yeah. You know, you, being you in a, being given, growing up is difficult. Yeah, you're being given boners as a 14-year-old to teach you that sometimes you're not going to get to use it on the person you want to get to use it to. Yeah. And maybe as well, if you kind of take some of the shame and stigma away from masturbation for both boys and girls then the desire to have someone you know like if you go literally go go to the bathroom for like (laughs) and another angle on this is you is your phrase from before if she knew what she was getting into if girls are not told that they have desire if they're not told that they are allowed to have desire then they they hide it from themselves and they put themselves in vulnerable situations. They will, they'll get drunk and hang out because they, you know, they want to be with boys. They want to be with this guy they like. The number of times I've spoken to women, one of my best friends in the world had a crush on a guy and was at a party with him and got drunk and then he raped her. Right. She, she liked him. She wanted to be near him. She wanted to be with him. She might have wanted to have sex with him eventually. Yeah. But she didn't know Suppressed her own desire and... She couldn't see that clearly. She couldn't couldn't address it clearly. She couldn't say, hey, I like you. I'd like to hold hands with you. I'd like to go to the movies with you. I'd like to get to know you. She couldn't say that. And she ended up being just terribly traumatised. Well, here's an interesting thing uh, that I discussed... Uh, when I was in Sydney, in fact, it was myself and, and Lauren Duca who... Um, Running out of battery. Oh, we're about to... Well, we can wind up. Okay. Um, uh, Lauren Duca, who you may know, does a thigh-high politics for Team Vogue. Oh, yes. Um, and she's really great. And we were just sort of having a lunch. I think it was up Bondi Beach. And we were sat sort of talking about stuff and consent in front of, you know, my partner. And... I said, Amy Schumer's got that great bit of stand-up where she says, uh, we've all had sex that time where we go, yeah, basically that was rape. Yeah. And uh, and she was like, oh yeah. And then every woman I speak to has this experience. Yeah. And <laughs> my boyfriend just went, 
oh my God, that makes me feel sick. Now, this is because he's decent, because yeah. decent men will kind of, I think if you're a decent man with what's happening in the last couple of months, you'll start going back through your Rolodex of interactions and things and kind of go, was I always on the right side? What did I, Where did I say or it? do? Where did I push it? Where it shouldn't have been pushed? And, you know, he's just, you know, he's what, you know, he's he's a wonderful wonderful man but he went oh my god and then i've discussed it since with other men and they're like oh god that makes me feel sick and i was like we should probably watch that bit of stand-up and i was like and that's not saying you know and i think you you, you go oh i think most of them would know when they walked away but maybe they don't and this is what we're learning now that they pushed it too far yeah or they felt awful about it afterwards or whatever and there's but but he was kind of like oh yeah because you you kind of don't think that women might get drunk or women and that's and, and, and you go it wasn't because they just let it happen where we go it was basically right but you went you liked the person exactly like the situation that you're talking about you go you like them but I don't want to have sex with them yet because I might want to see them and I, I don't want I would like to to get to know this person before I give them this part of myself and then they're so persistent that you just go yeah just yeah but and, and for the guys, of course, they're going, God, I don't know what. So then a woman in her head's gone, I'm just going to let this happen. And that's rape. And I was going, it's not rape. But it's not right. But it's not right. And if you want yes. to find out more about this, uh, then come to the Clear Lines Festival this weekend on Saturday, December the 2nd. Yes. Oh, we've just, have we gone into your iPhone now? Uh, we're well, battery. I've got both, but this oh, is yeah. just sending Great. me signals to say, Wah. Okay. Um, so As usual, we talk for ages. We did. <laughs> so good. Tiff Stevenson, you're on Twitter. I'll put it up on this thing. Great. Thank you so much. I love having tea with you. Tea with you. Too.
We'll tie our hands up, we surely do. For Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lally rifles all, lally rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away. Is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our hands up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lally rifles all, lally rifles day.